Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to New Books and Biography, a podcast channel on the New Books Network. I'm Mark Clovis, your host for the channel. Today, I'm speaking with Anthony Valerio, author of the book Before the Sidewalk Ended, A Walk with Shel Silverstein. Anthony, welcome back to New Books Network. Thank you, Mark. Thank you for having me again. <laughs> well, thanks for uh, uh, returning to our uh, podcast. I was My wor- pleasure. I was yeah. wondering, for, for those who might have missed the last podcast, I was wondering if you could uh, tell us a bit about yourself. Well, the last the last podcast was it was what's called Semmelweis about, you know, the doctor who uh, coined uh, Wash Your Hands. But that, 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 that was a wonderful uh, interview, by the way. I oh, am a you. professional a book writer, meaning uh, I managed to earn a living writing and also I, I, a book editor. And uh, I've been a university teacher <laughs> at NYU, City University of New York, and, and, and Wesleyan University. And um, the, editing, the editing part stands out now because uh, one of the you know, two, you know, great writers that was fortunate enough to edit was Shel Silverstein. And we could talk a little bit about that a little later on. But uh, Shel Silverstein, Tony K. Bambara. So uh, the combination of uh, writing and editing, were, which occurred concurrently in me. And that helped me, that helped me at a point when my editors were no longer around. You know, my, one of my editors, Cork Smith, Park Court Bracey, passed away. And other editors I'd like to mention are Larry Freundlich. He he changed careers and um, Bill Tonelli. So um, writers, at least this writer, do not edit as we create. But I've been able to edit later on my own work as if someone else wrote, you know, wrote <laughs> it. Actually, I mean, so um, that's that describes uh, who I am and what I do, and I continue to work. Um, especially now during our pandemic of 2020. Hmm. So you mentioned that you uh, were, you were Shel Silverstein's editor, and yet this is not a book about a professional relationship. This is a book about a much more uh, intimate friendship. What was it that uh, led you to write about your friendship with Shel Silverstein? During this pandemic, during this pandemic, I seized the moment of looking back at a time and place that no longer exists. Um, I'm looking back to uh, Greenwich Village of the 80s and 90s where Shell lived and I lived, and a friendship uh, that spanned um, from 1986 to the, t- to the time of uh, Shell's death in 1999. So I, I was isolated somewhat forlorn and worried about friends and family. I was also very aware of what artists could do in times of pestilence. Not to say ever say I'm in the same league of Pocaccio and Shakespeare, the Cameron, Shakespeare wrote Antony, Cleopatra, King Lear and Macbeth during the plagues of 1348. I was, again, I'm not in their league at all, but I was aware of what artists could do. So there I was, isolated. Now, artists, especially writers, are normally isolated. Writers in a room, close your door, you usually have one view out the window, 
the same view each day. And then there's the opportunity to create something lovely and beautiful out of isolation. This isolation, I felt, was not voluntary. It was mandated. So I felt uh, unusually claustrophobic personally and worried about friends and family. And, and at the same time, I looked back at a friendship and just began to scribble, you know, some of the things Shel, Shel Silverstein and I did, our friendship, our, our collaborations. The editing part, I must say, professionally, by that way, does figure in the sense that that's how, that's how much he trusted me with trusting me to edit just one of his books, which was called Three Eyes, an attempt on his part to enter the adult trade market. So what that did, what that fact did to this book was elevate me, at least temporarily, and I feel in a very funny and humorous way, to a colleague of his. So that, that, that was important in the writing of the book because if you say, well, look back at a time and place that no longer exists, and, I, and, and at the same time, the nostalgia of it all was not enough for me. I needed to create something on its own footing, on its own footing that show would enjoy himself. So um, that, that answers that, answers that yeah. question a bit, of, elaborated a bit. Well, and the way you go about uh, discussing this, I, I think it's very interesting. You talk about e evoking a, a different time in a different place. It, it, as you uh, you know, make clear from the start of the book, you're not just doing a standard, I first met Shell in 1986 and, and I last saw him at this point. Instead, it, it takes the form almost of, of, a, of a walking tour that, in, in which you describe these places that you went to with Shell Silverstein and 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 in the memories that that evokes and 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 what that says about him exactly that in fact the walk it is a walk and um we we um we worked together on our and our typical day was for example so we were talking about greenwich village of the 80s and 90s which by the way and also great photographs in the book by uh dave barry a, a uh a graphic designer of par excellence. And, and Dave went out and, and photographed the places we walked. So I would pick him up at his, his apartment on Hudson Street, Greenwich Village. Then we would walk down to Houston Street, east along Houston, up McDougal Street. And one of our, uh, one of our work, you know, our offices, if you will, was the Cafe Dante on McDougal Street the Cafe Shasha on Hudson Street. So, and then we would go to Shell's um, Xerox place and Xerox's latest work. And then we would walk to his typists. Then we would walk to his cigar maker. So it, it is, so that's, that's how it blossomed. It blossomed from the kind of days we spent together. And I, and, and I, I wanted to uh, describe that and capture that. And, and, Above, above all that, actually, in that was light and sun and brightness because Shell managed his life where he lived always in springtime. He became one of the most successful authors of children's books and songs 
a boy named Sue, he wrote with his song, Grammy Award winning song of the 20th century. This book sold in the top 10 of the 20th century. And so that fact established him for me and worked, I was, you know, in, in, much appreciated and he was a mentor also. Okay, so here's the springtime. He lived, um, in, he, had, he had a house in Key West, Florida. He had a house in Martha's Vineyard. He had an apartment in Manhattan and he had a boat in Sausalito. So wherever it was warm in springtime, he would travel. So that fact shed light for me on the entire project. I felt, I felt, you know, whatever dark period we were going through in our history, at least in memory and in a work, I could capture a time where there was light. And uh, so, um, yeah, that that's that's some of the that those are some of the ideas that ran up to the actual writing, the writing, you know, writing of this book. I was thinking that the affection that you have for Shel Silverstein really comes across in this book and it, it, in terms of the various encounters that you have. And, and rather than walk uh, the readers through each of those locations and uh, each of those encounters, because I think that's something that you know, readers really should read for themselves, I was wondering if you could perhaps choose one or two locations and some of the memories you have with them and, and, and ones that, and, and what they reveal about the, the Shel Silverstein that you knew. We, we were, we were, I felt when I was writing this really the warmth and friendship and, 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 and care that we had one for the other. Um, now, um, humor Humor entered this book. I feel there were some funny, funny uh, moments, and, uh, and, and one in particular I'll, t- I'll talk about. But but he he was he was he was a attention that contributed to the writing of the book. Shell was extraordinarily famous and wealthy, and at the same time he was intensely private individual. You would never see him on a talk show. He did not go on book tours. He, he, uh, he, he did do, I think on, on YouTube, he recorded a boy named Sue with Johnny Cash. I believe he sang it on, you can find that on YouTube, but, but, uh, but overall he was an intensely private man. So he would ask his friends, including myself, when he arrived in town from another springtime, in, in the springtime in Manhattan, for example, he would he, he would not go into banks. So he would ask myself and other friends to cash a check for him. He would not go into a supermarket. So he would ask his Italian friend, especially me, to make him a gourmet dish of pasta, for example. So those those that that was always work in the friendship, but in reflection, it was funny. So I have a, a short a uh, little reading here of an anecdote where the narrator, who Shell calls Anthony, I want to say just a word or two about the narrator. The narrator and myself appear to be exactly equivalent, but they're not. The, the, the narrator of the book is the friend, is the editor of, of Shell, is 
of one of his books, I want to add. It is, it is also a right, another writer, a mentoree, a, uh, you know, a mentee or a mentoree. It shows, say, a mentor and an inspiration in that hopefully the work stands as a work on its own feet. And the way that happened was Shell was an Italophile. He loved the things Italian, the cuisine, his film. Uh, things change with his uh, great collaborator, David Mamet. This is about a, ma- a humorous mafia spinoff. So here he is with me, an Italian, you know, Italian from, you know, Italian, Italian American, and and his friend John Dante in the Playboy, you know, uh, his Playboy life. And I just want to say one of the things that one reviewer called a riveting aspect of this, and it's a surprise, and what one a reader might not expect was, Shell lived held quarters in the Playboy Mansion from the 1960s to the day he died in 1999. So, so that also was very interesting to me that it, it presents a man who, uh, who, whose, whose life, whose life, you know, aspects like that might be interesting to those generations who loved and read him. So let me, let me just, uh, this, this is a bit, um, about when the narrator, Anthony goes to his bank and tries to set up a bank account for Shell so that Shell could have access to his own cash when he arrived in town. It goes like this. Banker Mrs. Ahuro issues from her cubicle. Mr. Valerio, please come in. I trail behind. Mrs. Ahuro's customer chair was situated in such a way that Shell would face her open cubicle door but the likelihood was practically nil of other passing customers consumed by issues of their own finances turning and looking in. Once I could get him in there, sight unseen, he would not be recognized. He could set up a cash account. His raspy voice being overheard would not necessarily connect him to a famous artist and author of children's books with a full black beard and bald head. Then we would cut out, presto. For some reason known only to her, Mrs. Ahura had told me, I'm Italian-American, but I married a Palestinian man and we have one daughter. Mrs. Ahura, I began, I would like to withdraw a sizable amount of cash from my checking account. No problem. How much would you like? 5000 Okay, take this slip to a teller on your way out. Thank you also, Mrs. Ahura. I have a close friend who is intensely private and needs help in setting up a checking account so that he could also access his cash. Is he agoraphobic, she asks? Well, yes, in an odd sort of way, but he's not ill or anything. He just cherishes his privacy. I see. Setting up an account wherein he can access his cash should be no problem at all. I do it every day. If you wish, we can pencil in an appointment. Then he can come directly here. Can I accompany him? I can wait outside on one of those plastic chairs. Absolutely. Just let me open my calendar. Let's see. We have this newfangled computer system. One day it works. The next. This coming Friday, I have a cancellation at 2 p.m. That work? Let's pencil it in. If he cannot make it, I will contact you. Fine. Name? Sheldon. 
middle name Allen. All right, S-H-E-L-D-O-N-A-L-L-A-N, last name. This is a horror. Do you need his last name now? Well, not exactly now, but to open a cash account, I will need his full name. He can give it to me when he comes in, or you or he can give it to me at any time ahead of his appointment. Now would save us a considerable amount of time. Okay, Silverstein. Oh, my God. Do you mean the Shell Silverstein? Well, because I just got light in the attic for my daughter, Ajita for her 13th birthday. It's so refreshing these days with all the independent bookstores closing down to go into a bookshop and actually buy a physical book. How wise his publishers to have that same white cover with black letters and drawings of his. You recognize his brand even before the title. And those author photos on the back jackets, I'll be able to recognize him as soon as he walks in. Adjective like Love light so much she wants me to get her the giving tree and where the sidewalk ends. Do you think he would autograph a copy for her? I know this is extra, Mr. Valerio, but when Mr. Silverstein comes in, do you think he would mind if Ajita stopped by? <laughs> That's the end of that. Yeah, I, I thought it was interesting how you managed to convey both a sense of intimacy about your relationship with, with Shell. And also how reluctant he was to, to how much he cherished that intimacy and how reluctant he was to have those encounters with all those people who, who, who admired him. I'm thinking, uh, for example, uh, the description that you have of when uh, you're on the corner of Houston McDougal streets and there's the young man that you encounter and that the two of you encounter who is is such a Shel Silverstein fan, but you, you get the impression that, that, he that that shell's very uncomfortable with you know, you know inca- that the encounter and the praise and, and and hearing about just how much he affected that man's life he was you're referring to an incident that happened on one of our walks in the corner of Houston Street and McDougal when a young man you know approached shell uh, for, and he ran across uh, you know heavy two way traffic and risked his life to come up and to, and you know and, you know uh, encounter and meet his idol and uh, show show um, you know rejected it and uh, and uh, yeah I yeah that 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 happened and uh, it you know I remembered it and a couple of things about that this work also is 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 uh, is uh, how could I say uh, more you know a, a, a book about place and time not and, and at the same time. I found moments to describe and talk about what I knew about Shell's childhood, his upbringing from a poor section in Chicago. Uh, he, he began his career with a ventriloquist act. He had no idea about, uh, you, know, you know, he hadn't thought about, he was always working, writing and sketching. And, and, and then, uh, you know, and, and, you know, he, he wasn't, he, he describes himself. He didn't, he didn't know how to dance and he wasn't a, a hit with the women, with the girls. And, and then, uh, so, you know, what, whatever formed, whatever formed that moment, maybe it was just that moment was not a good time to encounter a stranger, to encounter him, no matter, you know, how, how, uh, how, uh, you know, positive and, 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 and cheerful, that young man was, 
But what happened then, what I did with that was immediately thereafter that uh, I describe a, 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 an anecdote or it follows from that of when we were standing together in the rain underneath the Waverly Theater and a, and a person approached me and I'm standing next to Shell and she approached me about one of my books. And so Shell was absolutely, he was impressed by that. And he said he was impressed afterwards with a smile on his face. So I think they were, you know, he was, you know, he was, for whatever his reasons, I don't exactly describe it because it's not a psychological study per se of Shel Silverstein, that probably remains to be written. Uh, but um, that's what happened. I mean, and my job as a writer is not to assess or analyze, you know, I mean, that's not the kind of writer I am. My, my job was to describe the kind of, you know, life we had together, the kind of work we did together. And I felt that, I felt an underlying strain of humor and frankly, you know, a friendship and love, you know, between us. Well, there is, there's also, I think, uh, another emotion that comes through, which is the sense of, of loss. And, and I was thinking about that, not uh, not just in your description of how you learned that he had uh, died, but I was thinking also when, when you recounted that last phone conversation that you had with him and, and how it was. And, and, and what I was struck by was when you describe it, it, it sounds like the kind of trivial conversation that so many people have with other people not knowing that it's going to be their last conversation. And, 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 and I thought it was especially because it was, you, you, you're connecting with him, you're, you're passing along the, the, the information that in this Connecticut, uh, you know, yeah. store that, yeah. that, that yeah. They're, they're selling his, his books well. And, yeah. and, yeah. you know, that's the last time you hear from him. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I appreciate you mentioning that because I hadn't thought of it, you know, exactly that way, but it, it's exactly right. Um, Falling Up was, um, as far as I knew, the last book he was, Shell was working on before he passed away. And then other books came out posthumously, but the work Falling Up was um, a book. Now, one of the places, another office that we had was, of course, again, it's always springtime, right? Was Cafe Shasha on House uh, on on, on uh, Hudson Street, and. Um, Sometimes, Shell, when I would be passing by, he would be sitting there alone working on falling up. And he told me in the supermarket. So later on, when my life changed, now the, the dislocation of this project was not only the pandemic of our, you know, of our life now, but also 9-11. So in other words, I lost my place in Manhattan after 9-11 uh, and, and then, and then Shell, and then Shell. Uh, uh, I heard later on his apartment on Hudson Street. Also, after he passed away, was uh, you know was uh, no longer his name was no longer on the bell. But anyway, so I'm, my life changed. So I'm in Connecticut now in a different life. Our friendship continued, and I'm 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 strolling a a, a basket of groceries through uh, a, a major uh, supermarket, and there I saw. Copies of Falling Up on the news rack. Now, now, what impressed me about that, and still does, here is, here is literature of quality in a mass market uh, you know, outlet. Uh, supermarkets, uh, airports, his work was, uh, you know, on, on, uh, was there. So I called him because we, you know, I had a cell phone. 
he did not have a cell phone. That's another aspect of this work. He was not exactly a Luddite. And uh, he picked up his landline. He was in Key West. And I said, you know, the way I recall this, and I have such a nice feeling recounting this now, too, is that um, the realization or the understanding how hard it is to create a work that appeals to a white audience, how difficult it is to create a good work of art, how difficult it is to create a work of art that will last. And and that came in, that, that contributed to me calling him, and I actually said the last thing he needed was a, you know, a, an account of sales from one outlet in Connecticut, but I did it anyway. And he responded in a way that was commensurate to what I was feeling. It was very warm. His voice was loving and said, yeah, you know, it's doing good uh, with his, you know, his Chicago accent, with the open A's, open A's. And uh, he said, it's doing good. And he, then he said, that book contains some of my best work. So there was, you know, an instance of a fact or a feeling of his that maybe was not in the public, uh, you know, knowledge of him. And I think there were other moments like that, too. Hmm. They reveal a man uh, who, uh, as an as an adult, who, uh, you know, who, who uh, maybe, maybe these readers, generations of readers might appreciate and enjoy. Well, we've taken up a lot of your time, but before we go, could you tell us what you're working on now? Now, now I'm packing up to leave uh, Florida to take care of le- uh, uh, relatives down there. I'm just doing, I'm promoting, um, I really appreciate this interview. I'm, 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 try- I'm trying to get the... Before the sidewalk ended, a walk with Shel Silverstein, and I would just like to say I recorded it, and so the Audible original will be coming out very soon. So I'm just closing my office for now. I've done an enormous amount of work during this pandemic, and um, I just um, might take a week or two off to consider other projects. Well, I, I wish you safe travels, and I look forward to seeing what you come out with next. I really appreciate it, Mark. I appreciate it very much. And I'm wishing you uh, safety and, and good wishes for this holiday season. Have a wonderful day. Thank you. You too.